0: Last week, we started a sermon from uh, Matthew chapter 11. We're going to finish it here today. Uh, life sometimes uh, wears us down. We find ourselves wore out uh, physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually, and Jesus has a recipe for that. So if you have your Bibles, turn, uh, okay, Judy, if you do have kids and want to go downstairs, Judy is going to watch kids downstairs officially. So if anyone wants to go down, they can. Uh Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. We're going to look at three, three commands, three, three things that Jesus tells us that we need to do. Last week we looked at part of the first one. We'll finish that, then we'll look at the other two today. Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with these verses. Jesus says there, uh, come, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Last week we looked at, at first this idea of who's invited. Jesus was speaking specifically, the, the, the recipients of that, of these words at the time, were, were a, a group of people in Galilee, probably a small village somewhere, people that that were beaten down by life, beaten down by by weariness from hard work, beaten down by by lack of hope, a lack of spiritual hope, and 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 so when Jesus spoke to them and he said, "Come," he was inviting them. Jesus is inviting all of us. Uh, we pointed out that it's a missional statement. It's it's a challenge for us as a church that we are to invite everyone, and there's a personal application for us that we. we we need to come to Jesus. He's inviting us when we struggle, when we're burdened, when we're we're heart we have heartache to come to Him. And and then the second thing we started to look at was this idea: uh, well, what prevents us? If Jesus, if Jesus' invitation is for us to come to Him and find rest, because uh, when you're burdened, when you're weary, when you're struggling, that's the one thing you want. You're tired after a day of work. You just want to sit down. And find rest. You want to lay down and get a good night's sleep. What what prevents us from from finding rest? Well, sometimes it's pride. Uh, we we look at the people that Jesus was speaking to, and well, that's not me. I, I'm not I'm not that 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 person that's hurting. I'm not that one that's struggling. I'm not. I, I don't need him. But pride keeps us uh, away. And, and here's the second thing we we start with today. Uh, sometimes we're paralyzed. It's par- uh, paralysis that keeps us from coming to god we we want certainly to have jesus we want to have his rest we want to have his spiritual rest but we were're somewhat somewhat paralyzed we're not sure what to do i i've I've talked about this before but uh, several years ago i i took a uh, a year-long class at uh, mosaic uh, mosaic offered this it was basically a chaplaincy class called clinical pastoral education and as part of that, I would be the chaplain uh, w- once a month on Saturday nights, from 7 o'clock uh, Saturday night to 7 o'clock Sunday uh, morning. And one of the things that would happen during that process or during that time of being the chaplain was, but uh, occasionally uh, an alarm would go off, my phone would ring that I had, and and they would, would call a med alert. It would be announced over the PA system at the hospital, med alert, and it would give the room number. Well. Well, med alert was just a medical emergency. Some a patient had kind of had, had deteriorated, and and when that happened, several people would run to that room. A, a doctor would run to that room. A a uh, someone uh, with X-ray would run to that room. Someone with with uh, uh, with with the breathing would go to that room. Uh, and and the chaplain would show up, and so that would go off. And and I I didn't have that happen a lot, but a couple times the the med alert went off, and I knew, man, I've got to go. And I would show up at room 2022, and I would show up, and I had no idea what I was supposed to do. I mean, everyone else there, I mean, they just jumped into action. And in fact, most of the times, I just stood outside the room because, what am I going to do? I'm going to, am I going to go in and tell the doc, excuse me, doc, step away, let me pray with him before you administer uh, what you're doing? You know, like, I, what do I do? Uh, until one Sunday morning, early, about six o'clock, uh, the the med alert went off, and I showed up at a room. And, and when I showed up, I the first thing I saw was the people outside the room. It was a a, a, a mother and a or a, a, a son and a and a daughter that I recognized, someone from Rushville that I knew. And it was their dad that was in the room that was having the medical emergency. And and suddenly it hit me. Okay, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm I'm supposed to offer support. Uh, I'm supposed to pray. I remember stepping aside with that couple and praying with them, or that that uh, brother and sister and praying with them. The reality is, we're never going to find rest until we show up. Sometimes we're paralyzed. We're like, "How do I find that spiritual rest?" Well, well, Jesus prescribed it. He said, "Come." If we don't come to Him, if we don't show up, we're never going to. Never going to figure out how we can find that rest. And here's here's one other thing that prevents us from from finding that rest. It's it's perception. It, it's the it's the perception that we can't have it. It's the perception that 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 God isn't going to give it to me, or the perception that I'm not worthy of that rest. It's the perception that surely God isn't going to mess around with me. He He's got more important things to do than to to speak up in my life and to show up in my life. The perception that Satan puts in our in our minds. The perception that that I'm the only one. The perception that if people really knew me, they they, they wouldn't want to be around me. The perception that no one no one would understand or understands what I'm going through. Uh, the, the perception that I've got to get it together myself. I've got to. I've got to get my ducks in a row, get everything worked out before uh before Jesus will show up in my life. It it can be summed up with really the attitude, the lie that Satan uh preaches to us that Jesus couldn't love me. He says show up and I'll give you rest, but man we don't think we deserve that. I had a I have a friend named Scott uh my my friend Scott was uh in a room with several other guys. It was a counseling session uh with other men that struggled with addiction the the leader was was talking to the group and he made the comment uh as as they talked everything was kind of just on the surface a little bit and 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 he made this comment he said well, let's dig a, a little bit deeper what what is really causing the hurt and pain in your life and then he looked over at my friend Scott Scott was a uh, uh was a firefighter 65 a former a college football player in uh, at a small college in Southern California, uh, a rugged man's kind of man, and he looked over at Scott. Sked. He said, "Scott, look, look a little deeper. What's really causing your pain in your life?" My fr- friend Scott said he he thought for a second. He's put on the put on the spot. He, he first thought was, "I'm, I'm going to come up with some kind of generic answer here. Just throw something out." But then, then it hit him that no, no, I I, I need to be honest and, he said he kind of looked down at his feet and began to talk. He says, I, I, rem- I remembered exactly. I was a 10-year-old boy, and I had, had gone up in the woods behind my house. He, he grew up in Southern California, uh, went up in the woods behind my house and was playing with some matches, and I caught some, I ca- I caught some pine needles on fire. And, and before I could get them out, they spread a little further and got some leaves on fire and then caught a small bush on fire Pretty soon the, the fire was starting to spread, which is a big deal in Southern California. The the smoke was seen. The fire department was called, and they came and extinguished the fire. And Somewhere in all that process, it came out that Scott was the one that had started He said, I'll never forget my dad grabbing me by the, by the collar and marching me up to the fireman and saying, tell him what you did. I'll never forget my dad humiliating me in front of that firefighter. And he says, he says, far too often in my life when I struggle, I I, I look back and I'm, I'm that 10-year-old boy who my dad is berating me. Scott said he, the whole time he talked, he, he had looked at his feet and, and when he finished talking, he said he looked up, expecting to see judgment, expecting to see guys maybe looking away like, oh, wow, that's embarrassing that that this rugged firefighter has self-image issues and said he looked up instead and saw a, a room full of men nodding their heads in agreement. Nodding their heads saying, I know exactly what you're feeling. I feel exactly the same way. Far too often we think we're the only one. We buy the line of Satan that Jesus, Jesus can give rest to them Jesus can give rest to that person, but man, he can't give rest to you. But Jesus simply says, "Come, come." Uh, the, the second command that he gives is just summed up with the word "take." Uh, he says, "Take my yoke." I, I I mentioned last week that this passage is is so beautiful and poetic. When when I read it, and I, I think others do as well, when. When we read it, a calming presence seems to come over us. It it pours into our soul. This passage is soothing, and it's a and, and that's a good thing. But but it's easy because of that, because of the, the the beautiful nature of how this passage reads. It's easy for us to miss the phrase "take." Uh, I I have people every once in a while ask me, uh, maybe they're struggling, or they know someone that is struggling. And they say, "Well, give me a verse that can just give me some encouragement." And 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 my t- go-to verse is Matthew eleven. I'll I'll tell them, "Go to this verse and and you'll find peace there." It, it is it is peaceful. It does speak to our struggling, burdened life, but but it's so easy to miss. <coughs> take now now, please please continue to turn to this passage. Please continue to trust in this idea of come to me when you're burdened, when you're weary. That invitation is to all of us but don't miss don't miss the take. See the the the, the Galilean villagers on the on the side of that hill that they wouldn't have missed the idea of take my yoke. They would have visualized the Im- imagery and po- and possibly they They, they would have struggled to understand what it means. See, see, we read this passing that just kind of flows with, with no real application when it gets to that part. Kind of be all who are, uh, who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And it just, it just kind of flows, but not for them. When Jesus said, take my yoke, immediately they would have envisioned what, what, what might have been in a field right beside him. They would have envisioned a couple oxen that were yoked together. The phrase for us is is comforting, but for them, they they would have struggled just a bit. What are you talking about? Jesus said, "Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden." And and for for that part of it, they were like, "Man, this is cool." Jesus, keep on talking. But then he tossed in this image of oxen yoked together, and they must have been thinking, "Well, what does rest and work have to do with each other? How do they fit together?" See, see, they understood something that maybe we missed just because of, of culture or things. They understood that a yoke, taking a yoke equals control. Putting a yoke on means that you give up control. Jesus wasn't saying to the weary, come and I'll make life easy for you come and you won't ever have a problem again come and everything will work out just the way you want to every time no he said come and i will give you rest and and that may not be as intriguing or inviting as as you'll never have any problems again but jesus was teaching and and that's the reality jesus was saying you will find rest when you give me control harold fowler who uh, wrote a commentary on matthew says this my yoke is definitely a kind of control, an obligation, a discipline. He is making it crystal clear that he is not merely our friend and example. He is our Lord and Master. The problem we have, though, the problem, well, let me let me step back. The problem I have, though, is I come to Jesus, and I say, Jesus, take away my burden. Jesus, take away my problems. Jesus, make my life better. And make my life easier, but I don't want to give him control. See, see, often we want to hang on to the stuff that created the the burden and the weariness and the problems in the first place. We we, we come to Jesus with worry on our heart and, and struggles that way, and we say, Jesus, take this away, but then we hold on to that worry. Or or, or we come to him with problems, all, all kinds of problems that are just weighing us down, maybe financial or relational or workplace. We, we say, Jesus, take these problems away, but but then we hold on to them. We, we come to him with the weight of bad decisions and the weight of sin in our life, and Lord, take away all these consequences, but we don't want to, to give them up. We hang on to them. We want to hold on to our lifestyle that got us there in the first place, or we want to hold on to the world. Jesus, I, man, just make my life better. But we don't want to give up the world that created the problems in the first place. Jesus is saying, I can only give you rest in the middle of your burdens. I can only give you rest in the middle of your burdens and weariness if you give me control. My my brother Rick, uh, I, I remember telling uh, telling me this story. He was 16 years old, a sophomore in high school, and he was taking driver's ed class. When I when I was in school, driver's ed was part of the, the, the school curriculum. You took it in the spring or the fall or the spring. And, and so he was in the, uh, in, in the fall class. And, and there's a guy in his class named David Riddle. Now, David was an interesting guy. Uh, my, one of my sisters had a classmate that was a brother. I had a classmate that was a brother. And, uh, David was, David was strange, a little bit backward. And, and he ended up in my brother Rick's Group. so so there was i think 3 of them that would drive around for the driver's ed part of it together and and Rick said when when they were in the back seat David at the wheel and coach O'Daniel uh, on the the passenger side in the front seat said, and at first it said it was hilarious to watch David drive cuz cuz he would head down the road and I mean just starts and stops and then he would he would kind of swerve one way and swerve the other and swerve the other and said so at first they were giggling in the back seat and then they began to get concerned. They, they met a car and he almost hit a car head on and he swerved towards the ditch. And, and so then the backseat became a, 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 temple of prayer for them because, because they, they were just scaring them to death. And he says, I, I remember particularly one day we were driving and, and one of those things happened. They were out on the highway because normally they're on back roads, but they're out on the highway and David just kept inching closer and closer to the center line, finally crossed over it and, and a car was coming and said, Coach O'Daniel reached over and started to grab the wheel to pull it back. And he said, David was fighting him. Like, no, I've got it. It wouldn't let go of the, of the wheel. And so finally he got it pulled over, said, Coach O'Daniel slammed on the brake. I don't know if they do now, but, but when I took, the uh, driver said that the, the, the teacher had a brake on his side. So slammed on the brake, got him over on the side. And he, he finally looked at David and, and said, David, you are going to wreck this car if you don't give me control. I wonder uh, I wonder if Jesus doesn't sometimes slam on the brakes in our life and say, people, people, you're going to wreck this car. You're going to wreck your life if you don't give me control. The Galileans listening that day would have understood that the yoke meant control. But they would have misunderstood something, at least at first. I, I think once Jesus had said it, it would have sunk in, they'd have figured it out. I, I think they misunderstood that control actually meant easing, being eased by Christ. We, we want to believe that if we live for Jesus, if we give money to the church, if we show up, uh, in, in attendance, if we do all the things that we're supposed to do, then, then our problems and cares will just melt away. We won't have any of them. The truth is, uh, the, the truth is you can find people that will preach that. You can find preachers on TV that will tell you, hey, just send a little money to me, a, a vow of faith. And, and man, God's just going to bless you financially. You're, you're going to get the job you want. No, you won't have any problems. But, but that's not what Jesus said. And that's not what I find in, in the New Testament. In fact, Jesus said in John 16:33, "I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace." Wow, that's what we want, right? I want rest, I want peace. Uh in this world you'll you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus didn't say, "Hey, hey, believe in me and you're never going to have an issue again." No. He said, "I'll give you peace, but but this world, you're going to have problems." Romans 8:17, uh the Apostle Paul says, now, if we are his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. He, he wasn't saying, Church, church life's going to be easy, just keep trusting Jesus, everything's going to work out. He said, No, you're going to have a fiery ordeal as though some strange, uh, something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Jesus says, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It doesn't mean he's going to take away every problem that we have or, or straighten out every crooked place in our life. He, he won't take away the burden, but he will walk with us and lighten the burden if we give him control. J.H. Dallet, a commentator, says this, The fatal mistake for believer is to seek and bear life's load in a single collar. God never intended a man to carry his burden alone. Christ, therefore, deals only in yokes. A yoke is a neck harness for two, and the Lord himself pleased to be one of the two. He wants to share the labor of any task. The secret of peace and victory in the Christian life is found in putting off uh, the taxing collar of self and accepting the master's relaxing yoke. It, is that easy? Well, no. It, it, is it hard to give control? It, is, it, is it difficult to, to power on even though problems don't necessarily disappear and trust Jesus? Well, it is. That's why Jesus says, take my yoke. Because together we can. If you're struggling with addiction, Jesus says, take my yoke. If you're struggling with depression, Jesus says, take my yoke. If if sin, that, that same sin keeps winning over and over again, Jesus says, take my yoke. If you wake up and you're you're covered with pressure and burden, Jesus says, take my yoke. And then there's one last command. He, he really kind of uh, I'll use the word yoke. He yokes those together in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and here, here's the third one. Learn. Learn from me. I spent, uh, I spent a good part of my childhood around my, uh, around my grand, Grandpa Hartman. Uh, every, uh, up until probably mid-high school, just about every Saturday, uh, my brother and I would go with my dad out to the farm. And so I was around my Grandpa Hartman a lot. Every other Sunday, we would go out there and have uh, a family dinner, and we would spend the whole afternoon into the evening, and I was around my Grandpa Hartman a lot. Uh, when I got a little bit older and started helping on the farm some, th- there were days when Dad was at work that I would go out during the day, and, and Grandpa would get me on a tractor or get me in a truck somewhere, and so I was around my Grandpa Hartman a, a lot growing up, and I, I loved my Grandpa Hartman. He was a great man, but, but you know when I really got to know my Grandpa Hartman, it was when I was... Was married and already had a couple kids. My, uh, it, it happened in in 1986. Well, that's probably 1987, 1988. My, my dad had died in '86, and and uh, my my mom heated with wood. Now, luckily, my dad had cut wood and stored it all over the farm. I mean, he had piles of wood just piled up everywhere. And and for the first couple years, there was enough wood already cut and seasoned to to to, to help mom heat the house. Uh, but the end of that second year, we ran out of wood, and it was time to start cutting. And I, I remember Grandpa asking me one day, "Hey, can can you come home and help me get wood cut?" And and so I remember sitting uh, uh, many a Thanksgiving, my, my my brother and I, and several of my brother-in-laws would would show up on Thanksgiving. We'd cut wood Thanksgiving morning and afternoon, and all day Friday, all day Saturday, and cut enough wood to last my mom for a winter. And, and I can't tell you how many hours I s- sat in, in the woods with my grandpa, either either running a chainsaw and him showing me how to do it because I'd never done it before, or, or sitting at a splitter. My grandpa was partially crippled, and he would sit on the ground with this gas-powered splitter, and I would put the log in, and he would pull the lever. He got the easy job, split it, and then maybe take it and split it again. And, but, but just sitting there as my grandpa talked about life, Talked about wood. I mean, he knew every, he he would take a a piece of wood, well, that's a pin oak, or that's a red oak, or that's a, now I don't know if he really knew, if he was just making it up, but he, he fooled me. But, uh, but, but I learned so much from my grandpa in those years when we were yoked together in work. When, when, we come to Jesus, and we are yoked with Him for the task. We learn. We, we learn His heart. Jesus was the, the Son of God. He He was there at creation. We talked about that a, a while back. He was there when God created the, the world, the earth uh, created man. His His life experience when He came to earth could have been easy. And yet it wasn't Jesus understood what it was like to have pressure to have uh, have heartache to have pain to to be tired but but he didn't have to do that. Uh, most of you drove up today in a in a vehicle of some sort well, well, that technology wasn't there when jesus was was uh, alive on earth but but he created the world he knew how to make a car. Jesus could have been the first one with a car he could have driven around Israel, and life would have been such easier uh, when he wanted to go from Galilee to uh, Jerusalem he could have he could have called in a helicopter, man. That would have freaked people out. But but he could have could have had them all jump in a helicopter and fly the helicopter from Galilee back down to Jerusalem. Uh, instead of being a two-day walk, it could have been a been about a thirty-minute ride. But he didn't do that. When he was hungry, he could have snapped his finger and there would have been a T-bone and a, and a baked potato sitting there ready for him to enjoy. It. When he was tired, he could have just blinked and there would have been a sleep number bed with his name on it. Set to his preference right there. But instead, he he walked, and he was weary, and he was hungry, and he faced problems. Why? So that when he's yoked with us, he knows what we're going through. Hebrews chapter 2, 17 and 18 says this, For this reason... He had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might take atonement for sins, make atonement for sins for his people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He, he knows what it's like. And when we yoke ourselves with him, we learn his heart. And then we learn that he's there to help. We learned that he's there to help. James Elliott tells this story of taking his uh, six-year-old son fishing. And said so they, they were sitting by the, the bank and they had a rod and reel and his son cast the reel out and said he caught it on a submerged tree branch. And uh, first he thought he had a had, had hooked a big one. You know, you, if you fish, you've been there before. And then he realized, no, that's not what it is. And, and, and before Elliott could... Could kind of tell him how to get it dislodged. Possibly, he said his son just whipped back on that rod and reel real fast, and it broke the line. Uh, uh, so he said he he reeled it in, and his Elliot said, "I, I got a, another hook and, and got ready to tie it on the line." And his son said, "No, Dad, I can do it. I can do it." And he'd watch his dad th- tie hooks a lot, and so 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 he handed the hook to his boy, and his boy tied the hook on, and then. He'd seen his dad do this, take the hook, take the line, and pull. But every time he did, it'd come undone. And and, and Elliot said, I started to say something to him. He said, no, Dad, I can do it. And he, 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 he'd tie it again. And then the boy would take the hook and take the line and tug, and it would come undone. He so said he did it several times. And Elliot said, I just sat there quietly watching him. And finally, he said his boy looked up to him with the hook in one hand and the line In the other, and said, "Dad, will you help me?" Jesus says, "Come." If you're weary, if you're burdened, if life has got you down, if you don't know where to turn, Jesus says, "Come." It's it's not an invitation to necessarily wipe away any problems. But we're to take his yoke. We're to, we're to team up with him and let him take away the pressure. Let him, let him walk with us through the problem to the other side and learn from him as we go. Are, are you weary? Are you weary? Jesus has come. Would you bow with me? Father, we, we get tired. We get tired uh, physically and emotionally, spiritually. Sometimes the world just uh, just overwhelms us. The things we're involved in overwhelm us. The, the things we've committed to overwhelm us. The, the pressures of jobs, the pressures of family, the pressures of life just overwhelm us. And you offer us rest. Father, help us. Help us find rest in you. Help us come to you. Team up with you. Be yoked with you and learn how to do it, not, not just on our own, but learn how to deal with it with you. Father, there's some here today that are, are burdened. There's some here today that are weary. Lord, speak to their heart today this truth. Give them hope and encouragement that with your help, with yoking with Jesus, they can make it through anything they face. We thank you for this promise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand as we say?